we right now are in a study in the book of James. And uh, we're in a section in the beginning of the book of James where it talks about what it's like to encounter trials and problems and how you can uh, go through those with God and come out on the other side victorious because of God. Uh, And so what we call this first section of James is what to do when you're in the pit. What to do when you're in the pit. And uh, we we want you to really think that through in maybe a, a deeper way right now. John! John! Is that you, bro? This is John. He doesn't have a girlfriend. On Valentine's Day. I don't even want a girlfriend, bro. This is also John. He has a girlfriend. He's trying to get his friend out of the pit. John, you gotta get out of there, man. John, for the 50th time, bro, I'm sick of you always giving me advice, okay? You just tell me how to better my life, better my walk with God, invest in GameStop, okay? I'm sick and tired of you consistently giving me advice. John, just as your friend, I hate seeing you in the pit. You know what, John? You get back in your car, go enjoy your lovely Valentine's Day with your, with your little girlfriend, okay? And just leave me here to wallow in my sorrows. John is lonely. He wants John to stay with him. That's not true. John, are you sad? That you don't have a girlfriend on Valentine's Day? No, no, dude. I'm sad I don't have a girlfriend every day. John, you probably don't have a girlfriend because you're in the pit. What are you talking about, man? Girls love the pit. They love pits. I mean, look at Brad. Be realistic. No girl wants a guy who's living in a hole. You don't think I know that, John? It's so cold in here. Can you tell Bunio to turn the heater up? John, do you want to get out of the pit? Now I do. Now I want to get out of the pit, bro. Get me out of the pit. John, what you got to do is listen to wisdom. I'm trying to help you. How am I going to get wisdom when you're the only person here? John, I can give you some wisdom to help you get out of the pit. You? You're going to give me advice? You know what, John? I'm looking around, man, I don't have to pay rent here, okay? It's, and it's super comfortable. When I sing, my voice sounds so good, the reverb's great. Hold me closer, tiny dancer. And my student loan company doesn't know where I am. Are you sure? I'm, I'm good in here, bro. I don't, I, don't, I don't want your wisdom. Tune in next week to see John with a girlfriend and John in the pit without a girlfriend. I love those guys. Okay, those guys. <laughs> How many times, though, have you been around somebody and you wanted to help them get out of the pit and they didn't want help? Uh, maybe you give the best advice ever and they don't take it. Uh, and that happens all the time. That's what I want you to know. So God is calling for us to understand that in life, we are going to have trials. That's how James begins this whole letter. James says, when you encounter various trials. He actually says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. But it's not a question of if you'll encounter various trials. You and I will. So let me remind you, James is writing to a group of people 
who are undergoing very, very difficult and tough times. They're scattered and isolated from each other. They're facing economic challenges. And get ready for this. They're a few years away from a plague about to hit. Their pandemic is about to come. So all the advice that James is giving are for people who feel isolated, facing economic challenge, and are about to encounter an impending disease. It could not be more applicable for you and I today. And so James said, I want you to know that you're going to have trials. As a matter of fact, he uses a very interesting Greek word. He says, your life will be polka dotted with trials. In other words, you're gonna go from trial to trial to trial. Now listen to this. This to me is really important. Uh, If you're gonna go from trial to trial to trial, James also is telling you, you're going to go from victory to victory to victory. Now, um, I don't know which one you want to focus on, but I want to focus on the victory. I want to think about the great things that God's going to do and what he'll do in the midst of the trial and how he'll get us through. Peter, who's writing in about the same time period, Peter said, I don't want you to be surprised when trials come. And he says this at 1 Peter 4 verse 12, beloved, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes up among you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. He said, don't be surprised when you get hit. Uh, imagine that uh, you had an opportunity to face John Bones Jones, the UFC heavyweight fighter in a ring. Could you imagine you're about to go in the steel cage with Jones? This guy is big. This guy is intimidating. For a lot of people, they feel like he came out of nowhere uh, uh, in the UFC circuit. And so what happens is you go in the cage with him and he comes at you and bam, he hits you right in the face. Could you imagine you step back and go, whoa, 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 what's going on here? I'm not going to be in the ring if you're going to hit me. None of this hit me stuff. Now, by the way, when you get in the UFC cage, what's going to happen? You're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. Uh, When you play football, you're going to get hit. Uh, When you play uh, uh, most sports, at some point, you're going to get hit. And see, here's what I want you to know. When you live this thing called life, you're going to get hit. So when you get hit, you should not be surprised. When the trial comes, you shouldn't say what's going on. God told you ahead of time it's going to happen. You on your own know that it's going to occur. So when we get hit, we need to actually say, you know what, how do I navigate that? How do I work through that? How do I encounter that? And how do I make sure that I rise up instead of go down? That's the big key. Now, one of the things we need to know is that James said, I first of all want you to consider it joy. Then I want you to see the benefit. I want you to see the good that can come from it. Because God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and live their lives according to his purpose. Then he says this, and we get to the one today. Get ready. James says, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. 
Uh, by the way, I share those words all the time with everybody, but they come out of James chapter one, five to eight, where it says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, in other words, you're not sure how to handle this trial. You're not sure what to do next. You're not sure the steps you need to take or the way you need to get through. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to, do you look at this word, all, all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But He must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. So James says, Chuck, when you're in a tough time, ask for wisdom. James says to each one of you, when you're in a tough time, ask for wisdom. Uh, Like I said, I quote that all the time. But I know this year I've quoted it more than any other. Uh, We've gathered teams of people together and said, we're about to encounter something. What should we do? Ask for wisdom. And ask for wisdom, believing that God is going to bring it, not doubting it. So when I ask God, God, what steps should I take? What is the the way I should go? I need to believe with all my heart that God is going to give an answer. We need to believe with all our heart, God's going to give an answer. And so we want to look for the wisdom of God and act on the wisdom of God. Now, why do we want to do this? Because God knows better than you and I what to do. God knows better than you and I. So God is saying to you, you know what? I want you to ask for wisdom because I promise to give to everybody who asks wisdom. By the way, what does that mean? Please listen to this. Maybe you're the one who messed everything up. Maybe you're the one who sinned. You're the one who made the mistake. You know what God says? Ask for wisdom about how to get out of it. Notice what God doesn't say. He doesn't say, well, if it's your fault, forget it. I won't help you. Did you notice that? The Bible teaches that God in his grace, God in his mercy says, ask me, ask me, ask me, and I'll be with you. Maybe you're the one who did it ask for wisdom. Maybe somebody else did it to you. Ask for wisdom. Maybe it's just life. Ask for wisdom because he gives to all generously and without reproach. And God is the one who has the wisdom. Probably a person who was facing a trial that none of you and I will ever understand. Very few of us will ever go through is a man named Job. Job in one day lost everything that mattered to him. And then his health began to suffer on top of it. And uh, Job began to tell some people, I know what we need to do. We need to go to God for wisdom. And in Job chapter 28, it says, but where can wisdom be found? And where is that place of understanding? And then he begins to say, God has it. God has wisdom you and I do not know. God has wisdom because he sees things you and I can't see. And then I want you to look at what it says, starting in verse 23. It says, God understand its way. God understands the way of wisdom. And he knows its place. He knows where wisdom is found. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. And when he imparted to the wind and meted out the waters by measure, when he set a limit on the rain and a course for the thunderbolt, then he saw it. He saw wisdom and declared it. And he established it. And also searched it out. And to man he said, to you and I he said, 
Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And apart from evil is understanding. So when I ask God for wisdom and you ask God for wisdom, we want to do things God's way and not our way. We want to do things a righteous way, the righteous way and not the evil way or the selfish way. Or, or by the way, the way that lacks faith the way that's negative. Uh, uh, whenever I see pessimism out there, whenever I see that kind of learned helplessness going on, I always try to call people to understand, hey, God has something for you to bring you through. So you can conquer, you can rise up, but you got to go to God trusting him and being committed that if there's something you got to let go of or something you need to stop doing or an attitude that's taking you down, you say, I don't want a part of any of those. I want now more than ever to trust in God and to trust in his wisdom and to live my life according to his ways. Because in the end, it will work out. In the end, I will overcome. In the end, I will more than conquer. Because yeah, praise God for that. Because again, life is dotted by trials, but that means that life is filled with victory. That's what I don't want you to miss. And so God has that for you. And notice that it says he gives wisdom to all generously and without reproach. This to me is huge. Verse five, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of a God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. The word reproach comes from a Greek word because the New Testament is written in Koine Greek. And that Greek word means to defame, rail, chide, or taunt. Now, what am I saying? God gives to you wisdom without derailing you, without chiding you, and without taunting you or mocking you. In other words, you know what God never says? He never says, how could you be so stupid? God never says, how could you do something like that? Do you know why God never says that? Because he knew you were going to do it ahead of time. He never says, didn't you know any better? He never said these words, what's wrong with you? When you come and say, God, I need your help, he never mocks you. He never attacks you. He never goes after you. He never puts you down. Uh, I have a friend named Tommy Oaks, and Tommy's one of my favorite guys. He, uh, his family comes from the same area of Tennessee that my dad's family comes from. And uh, Tommy and I were talking about this idea that God gives without reproach. And, and here's what Tommy said. I hope this will grab you like it grabbed me. He said, you know what this is like? This is like a group of kids that decided to go to the prom. There they're are two, they're two couples, and they were going to drive to the prom together. And before the young guy gets in the car, the father's car, his dad's car, his dad says, now you drive careful. And he said, dad, I will. But he gets in the car with his girlfriend and his, the other couple and they're driving down the road and they're playing the music loud and they're laughing and talking and he reaches over to give her a hug and all of a sudden he starts to lose control and the car goes off the road and goes down an embankment and, and crashes into a muddy area. And, and he gets on the cell phone and calls his dad and says, Dad, I, I, I just went off the road and wrecked the car. And the dad said, how could you be so stupid? How could you not think better than that? How could you do that to my car? What were you? And, and, and he goes, you're on your own. So he calls his uncle. He said, I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do. And the uncle said, are you okay? No, by the way, did you notice the difference? Are you okay? Are you all right? And uh, the uncle said, where are you? 
And he tells them, he said, you know what? You just hang tight. Don't get out of the car. I want you guys to be okay. I'll be there a little soon. And then it's not even that long. And a tow truck pulls up. And the uncle hops out of the tow truck with the friend of his there. And he goes down the embankment and said, are you guys okay? You okay? And they're like, yeah, we are. He goes, come on, we'll get you out of the car. So you step out onto that cold night. And the uncle helps everybody get up the hill. And he's got chairs sitting out there waiting for him. And they sit in the chair. And he's got blankets there for him. And he's got hot chocolate for him. And he starts telling them jokes and laughing, saying, oh, we'll get the car out. It's just a car. And the tow truck pulls it out. And you're looking and going, what do you want me to do now? And the uncle said, I want you to go have fun. Go enjoy your prom. Which one's the picture of God, the dad or the uncle? Oh, the uncle. See, I want you to know when God gives without reproach, he doesn't attack you. He doesn't defame you. He doesn't talk about how bad you are. He talks about how we can get through this. You see, the Bible teaches this amazing thing called grace. And, and I don't know about you, but I love the amazing grace of God. Matt Chandler, a pastor in Texas, yeah, said this, grace is where God lets you have dessert even though you didn't eat your dinner. <laughs> don't you love that by the way is that the god you know Amen. the god you know loves the god you know cares the god you know brings a solution i have found this there are most people are great at pointing out the problem very few people are able to look for the solution and God wants you to look for the solution. God wants you to look for the victory. God wants you to know that's who I am. And so it says he gives generously, generously without reproach. He's generous to you. He not only gets you out of the ditch, he has chairs waiting with blankets and hot chocolate. Yeah. See, God wants that for you. God wants that life to be yours. So he said, ask me, ask me, ask me. And so Jesus said these words in Matthew 7, verse 7. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So he wants you to ask. He wants you to believe. He wants you to come to him. By the way, are you ready for this? You can't come to God enough. You can't come to God enough. Do you know what God's not going to ever say to you? Are you here again? <laughs> you know what? God wants you to come. He wants you to come. Let me tell you this, that uh, I, I've shared it before, but I feel like I understand God better now that I'm a grandfather because my grandchildren cannot ask enough. Right. right, Joe? Is that true? Right, Doug? Is that true? Like, if they don't ask, I'm like, what is going on? That's why I'm alive. That's, all, no, I, I, you know, and so God, God wants you to ask. God wants you to come, but he wants you to ask in faith. That's a big key. You need to come to him in faith. See, James 1, verse 6, he said this, but he, God's going to give generously and without reproach, but he must ask in faith. Now notice these next words, without any what? Let's try that together. Without any, without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double man, unstable in all his ways. James tells us the two reasons that prayer doesn't get answered, or at least the two biggest reasons prayers don't get answered. 
Now, let me tell you that James 4, 2, we haven't gotten there yet, is the number one reason. The number one reason is you have not because you ask not. So not asking is the number one reason. The number two reason is doubting. Doubting. Uh, that we just really don't believe God for the answer. Uh, now, by the way, does God have to say yes to every prayer we ask? No, he's God. And we are disciples and we pray according to the will of God. But don't miss this. Please don't miss this. That when we doubt, God says no. When God, when we doubt, God said, I was going to do it, but you don't trust me because I want you to come to me in faith. I don't want you to be like the man who's driven and tossed by the sea. One minute you believe, another minute you don't. One minute you believe, another minute you don't. He said, I don't want you to be doubting like that. I want you to come believing, God says. And so we don't want to be like a person trapped in the ocean, cast back and forth by the circumstances of our life. We want to believe in a God who's greater than our circumstances. When uh, Pam and I were dating, uh, we, we both were Corona High students, and we decided to go to Newport Beach with a bunch of friends. And so we're all down there, a big group of us and a bunch of the guys. We all said, hey, let's go. Let's have a contest. Let's see who can swim the furthest out there. And so, man, we're all in and I'm in and, and we hit that water and we're swimming and going and going and going. And this friend, Mike and I, we're leading the pack now. We've gotten further than everybody else. And then we got further than everybody else. And then all of a sudden I look around and it's me and Mike and that's it. And I want to beat Mike. I, I mean, I beat all my other friends, you know, so I think that's really cool. Now I want to beat Mike. So we start to go more, and then all of a sudden we hear the sound of a, a bullhorn from the shore. And it said, get out of there. Come back. You're going too far. And we look, and way out on the shore, because we're pretty far out, is a lifeguard telling us, you're in trouble. And then we realize why we're in trouble. Because as we're going, there's an undertow moving us to the right towards a jetty. And there's this big jetty out there like that. We were actually more on the other side of it from what you see. And we're going to be taken into the rocks. So the every time the waves are going, we go away from the jetty and back towards the jetty. And now he's screaming, the lifeguard's screaming, get out of there, get out of there. So Mike and I turn and Mike is making his way back, but I'm not making my way back. And so I, I realize I'm going to hit those rocks rocks. I'm going to go into those rocks because I can't seem to get away from them. And one moment I feel like I'm finally making headway. And the next moment I'm going back and then I'm making headway and then I'm going back. And then all of a sudden a helicopter comes over me and it's looking down on me. And the lifeguard who was yelling on the bullhorn, now he's in the water swimming towards me to save me. And I looked and thought, get away from me. I didn't want that big muscular lifeguard to grab me. I'm looking around thinking, just let me die. Let me die. I mean, how many people want your girlfriend to watch a lifeguard save you like that, you know? But he gets to me, and I thought, please don't hug me. And the good news is he had one of those big orange things, and he flipped it to me. He said, hang on. And he pulls me, interestingly, not towards shore, he pulls me further out and further out and further out. So we'd be past the jetty and there's a boat waiting there. And they, they get me in the boat and they take me around and drop me off. And I come into shore on the other side and uh, I get out and, and a bunch of my friends run over. Are you okay? Are you okay? 
and I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, but I'm looking for Pam. Where's Pam? She's asleep on the beach. <laughs> you know that's true, Pam. You weren't even there. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I needed in that moment? I needed strength and resources beyond myself. Would you agree with that? I wasn't going to make it. I was going to crash into the rocks. And uh, by the way, uh, you know, I ended up being saved and I ended up uh, going uh, to a direction I didn't think I would go. See, I thought the only way to be saved was to somehow fight my way back in. Some of us, some of us live our lives that way. We think the only way we're going to get out of the problem is to keep doing what we're doing. Now listen to this. This is big. Because if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what? The same results. God is saying, come to me instead. Trust me instead. Do something different instead. And so God said, I need you to come, but I need you to come believing. I need you to come believing. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 21, verse 21. And Jesus answered and said to them, truly I say to you, if you have faith, If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it will happen. In all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Jesus said, do you hear what I want you to to grab? Believe, believe, believe. I don't want you to come doubting. I don't want you to come wondering. I want you to come believing. Now, by the way, again, I'm not trying to discount this. We always only want the will of God. This promise is only made to disciples. It's not made to everybody. It's made to disciples who trust in Jesus. But we need to pray believing. Pray expecting is the idea behind it. Uh, Mark 11 verse 22 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea and, look at these next words, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things which you pray, ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Now I want you to think this through with me. See, John Wesley, John Wesley said this, that one of the best definitions of faith is expectation. Now listen to that. So when I pray, I need to expect a result to come. I need to be looking for a result to come. Uh, I I heard a story one time that might help you. Uh, Some farmers gathered together to pray that God would send rain. And uh, they're all sitting in this room and they're praying for rain and praying for rain. And a little girl says to her dad, dad, why don't they believe that God's going to send the rain? And he said, well, honey, of course we believe it. And then the little girl said, then why does nobody have an umbrella? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? You and I need to have an umbrella if we're going to pray for rain. You and I need to believe in God and expect to see it happen. So it probably doesn't surprise any of you who know me that uh, as we come towards this 40-day fast, I'm fasting from something. I'm fasting from bread this year, and which, by the way, includes tortillas and taco shells and Hawaiian rolls, and the list goes on and on. But every time I miss it, I'm going to say this, Matthew 4, 4, but man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. And um, 
So I'm going to read that and pray. I'm fasting for something, and I'll share that one with you later. Not today, another time. But I'm fasting for someone. I, I actually have a lot of someones. My main someone's my oldest son. I want him to come to know Jesus. Every year now, for years, that's been my fast. By the way, um, I know God, and please catch the context of this, God gives free will. So I know God's not going to violate his free will. But I'm still fasting, he'll come to know Jesus. I'm still praying, he'll come to know Jesus. And what I am believing and expecting is during these 40 days to hear things from him that God is doing in his life. By the way, some of you might say, well, Chuck, you've prayed for your son for years. He hasn't come to know the Lord. Has that been hard? It's hard because I love my son. It's not hard because I don't trust God. Because I'll promise you this every single year, somehow, my son doesn't even uh, uh, know it probably that I'm fasting for him. He'll somehow get a message to me of what God did. I, every year, something's happened. Every year, something's moved him. One year, we're sitting outside by a fire, and my son looked at me, and I said, you know, I'm praying and fasting. You'll come to know Jesus. And he shocked me by looking at me and saying, Dad, if you weren't, it would hurt because I know you believe it, so I want you to pray that. One year, another year, he got a hold of me and said, Dad, it's, I just need to tell you, it's, it's not that I don't want to believe. It's for some reason just hard to believe, but I want you to know I'm, I'm thinking about it. Every year, God has given me something. You know why? Because God always works. God's always moving. I believe my day's coming. So, so you know what I do? Uh, uh, my favorite place to pray for my son's inside that building there. Uh, and so what I do is I go and sit uh, uh, on the stage and I look at the center doors. I don't know why the center doors, but I look at the center doors and I pray and pray and pray. And in my, my mind's eye, in my imagination, I picture Rich walking in. And then I picture where he'll go sit because he always goes and sits in the same place when he comes. And then I begin to pray and pray and pray that the invitation's given and I see him coming down that aisle. And I believe with all my heart one day it's going to happen. God actually gave me another picture while I was praying that, that my wife Pam will baptize Rich. And uh, so I'll look at that baptistry and think about that. Yeah. And I pray believing. I pray believing. And I believe God's going to do things. I believe God does do things. And so I, I just trust God in that. And every year I get, now you ready for this? Maybe this isn't you, but I'll tell you this. Every year I get more excited. I get more excited. Uh, by the way, this year I'm even more excited uh, because, you know, we're going to be opening the building pretty soon. So we'll all be going in there. And I look at those doors and think about the victory coming. And, 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 and then God begins to give me things. Uh, I think it was three years ago during the fast, I get a call from one of my friends. He said, Chuck, uh, I know you've been praying for my son, just like I pray for your son. And I said, well, yeah, I have. He said, well, you start praising God for that. He said, uh, I was up in Washington speaking at a conference, and I, I looked out the window, uh, a big window, and I saw this eagle flying, and all of a sudden it flew straight towards me and then veered off. He said it was like breathtaking, it was so pretty. And then he goes, I went to sit down, and a woman walked up to me who did not know my friend Shane. 
And she said, um, I, I need to tell you something. I was over here praying, and I, was, and, and I was praying, and I saw this amazing eagle in my prayer, and I said, God, what does it mean? And, and she said, God spoke to me to tell me, to tell you, your son's going to come back to Jesus very soon. Now, she didn't see the eagle outside. She didn't know my friend Shane. She didn't even know he had a son. And she went up and told him that. And within a month, his son came home and rededicated his life to Christ. And, and he said, I want you to know my son's back. Another friend of mine who's been praying for us together, his daughter, 28 years old, she came back to the Lord. I, I, I know a bunch of you are praying for my son, which I appreciate. And I want to be praying for you during this fast. But I'm telling you this, we got to pray and believe. We got to pray and expect. And so that's what you and I need to do. We pray with expectation. We pray believing it's going to occur. We pray without doubting in our heart. That's what God wants us to do. Hebrews 11:6 <clears throat> says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God or please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And I want you to look at the next part. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Remember this God who gives generously and without reproach loves to reward you. And you need to pray believing God wants to reward you. He wants to bless you. He wants to, to give you gifts. We're going to see pretty soon, James, that it says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. God loves you and cares about you. So when we get ready to go into this time of fasting from something, for something, and for someone, please let me uh, share this with you with all my heart. God wants you to have a for something. God wants you to have a heart's desire you bring to him. He, he loves to bless you. I feel like far too many people think God is an abusive father. Now, what do I mean by that? I, I, I remember one time I was in a particular setting and a little boy messed up and all of a sudden he turned around and saw his dad standing there. He's going, dad, 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 and he freaked out. And I looked and thought, is he abusing that little boy? Is he attacking that little boy? Because the minute that little boy saw his dad's hand, he's ducking. You know what? God is not an abusive father. Please listen. God is not an abusive father. His hand's not in the air ready to smack you. Does everybody know that? When the hand of God comes up, do you know what he wants to do? He either wants to lift you up, he wants to show you affection, or he wants to give you a gift. That's God. And so when you see the hand of God coming, if you're a believer, you ought to be going, something good's coming my way. And you don't duck. You're like, give it to me, Lord. Give it to me. And that's who God is. That's, that's how God operates. And you, you need to know there's no one who loves you more than God. No one who's more for you than God. No one who wants to be with you more than God. And you might say, but you don't know how badly I've messed up. Well, that just means that you'll get a greater grace. By the way, did you know what the Bible says? It says that he gives a greater grace. In other words, when you need grace, he gives it to you. When you need more grace, he gives you more. He never withholds. He never steps back. As a matter of fact, clearly I can tell you this. God will never leave you or forsake you. And so you and I need to trust God in that. So during this season, during this time, 
We need to, to take to heart the promise of Jeremiah 33, 3 that says, call to me and I will answer you, God says, and I will tell you or show you great and mighty things you do not know. All right, so here's the thing, ready? This season, this 40 days coming, I want this to be the great and mighty for you. God wants to tell you and show you great and mighty things. So when we gather together Wednesday, I want you to get ready for a God who could not love you more than he does, who's ready to bless you in ways that beyond anything you can imagine. Trust in him. Give yourself to him. Pray believing. Pray with expectation. Pray till you can see it happening. Because the Bible teaches this. Seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. So you and I need to come believing. Right now, there are some of you, you need to believe in a God who loves you with this kind of love, who cares about you with this kind of care, who wants you more than you know. Some of you need to come to him. The Bible says that if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You need to come to him. You need to open your heart to him. You need to commit your life to him. Because the beginning of wisdom is coming into that amazing relationship with him. So if you're here right now on campus or you're watching online and you're not in a very real relationship with God, I'm gonna ask you to do this. I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me where you could say to the Lord, yes, I wanna give my life to you. Yes, I wanna be yours. Yes, I, I wanna either commit for the first time or recommit my life to you. Maybe right now there are some of you, you're, you're in the midst of some things that are hurting you, that are holding you back or holding you down. I'm going to ask you more than ever to open your heart to the Lord, to come to him and to say yes to him. So I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. So that's the first step of beginning to have a walk with God. So the first step is to pray that prayer. So I'm going to ask right now for some of you to pray that prayer with me. Again, it could be the first time or it could be to recommit your life. But come to God who loves you and cares about you more than you know. The second step is to make it known. And so if you're watching online, I'm going to ask you to go to crossroadschurch.family and, and click that you've made this decision for Christ, that, that you've made a decision to give your life to him. If you're here on campus, I'm going to ask you to do something. And that is this, after we pray the prayer, if you pray the prayer and mean it, and you want to totally throw yourself into the arms of a God who loves you and cares about you, I'm going to ask that when we stand to sing after we pray this prayer, that you make your way and come down and let us greet you. And then head over here where we have some incredible people who'd love to talk with you about next steps you can take to get closer and closer to God. We want to give you a Bible. Uh, we want to share some thoughts with you. By the way, when you click on I made a decision for Christ online, we want to do the same thing with you. But we want you to know God and go and know his love, but also begin to enter into this ever-growing, ever-increasing relationship with him. So right now, whether you're online or here on campus, I'm going to ask God to touch some of you. By the way, all of you who love the Lord, let's pray together for people to say yes to him. Let's go to God in prayer right now. Father, I want to pray for anybody here who's here that needs to open their heart to you and commit their life to you. I pray, God, you'd stir in their heart. I pray they could sense this is their moment in time. 
I pray that now for everyone who's here physically with us and those who are with us physically but not on our campus. They're watching. God, I pray you're going to touch them. And I pray they're going to open their hearts to you and commit their life to you. Right now, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me. Just ask me, whisper these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from fear or anything that's holding me back or holding me down. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. Because I want to be yours. I want to be yours completely. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God, praise God. But if you're here on campus and we stand to sing, make your way and come. If you're watching online right now, go to crossroadschurch.family and click that you made the decision. And as you go today, may you go believing and expecting God to reward you and bless you as you seek him in prayer, as you call out to him and trust him with your life. And so may you experience his love in special ways. God bless you and have a great day.